97X, The Future of Rock and Roll. That was X with the great song, White Girls. And before that, we heard from the Flaming Lips, back when they were the Flaming Lips, not what they are now, but the two-piece punk band from Oklahoma. Uh, Don't forget tonight, uh, it's a throwback to Planet X with one of the most popular DJs of all time, uh, Robin Plan at 97X, The Future of Rock and Roll. Dave. Yeah? Yeah. Now, um, you're doing that thing again. Hi, boys. You're flashing back. I'm flashing back? I think I hear Robin, though. Wait, you, you did it again? Howdy. You conjured her up. Robin, are you there? Howdy, fellas, from Austin, Texas. Wow, you're one of a How's couple it? former 97Xers in Austin. Mm-hmm. I know, y'all followed me here. <laughs> you must be in Austin. You said y'all. <laughs> y'all, boy, did that blow my mind. Well, I wanted to, we wanted to have you on here, Robin, because you are legendary uh, in the history know, of 97Xers. in spite of it all. <laughs> well, I want to hear about that because I've heard stories, but I want to hear it straight from you. But I started. Well, yeah. In- so you all want to know what the what the hell happened. So, you know, it's 30 years this month, you know, that I was I was given the heave ho. So what? Too soon? Or, you know, should, should we go, go into it a little bit here? Well, so, let, so let me tell you how I took the job. OK, because that's a beautiful story. Is okay. that OK? So. I got a um, a letter from Steve Dedalus, and I did not, I did have no idea what Steve Dedalus was a reference to. It was a beautiful um, card from him, and I still, I can actually recite it to you because I memorized it. It was so beautiful. He mentioned yeah. a bucolic setting, and and that he was going to go into a modern rock format and so so forth. And uh, I had another offer from another station. I didn't know what to do, and I went to a bookstore. And I bought a book. I bought the book, Portrait of uh, the Artist as a Young Man. I had no idea what that was. Okay. I swear to God, I got home, and and the protagonist in the book is named Steve Dedalus. (laughs) You believe that? I mean, It was fate. Steve Dedalus. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, you know, that was a done deal there. And then the way things fell apart, you know, I was um, the overnight... DJ and I was on Planet X where I could do what I want, right. and you know that that meant playing you know, "Slip It In" by Black Flag. Yeah. <laughs> You're familiar with that song, and you know, and then segueing into "I Want to Hold Your Hand" by the Beatles. I mean, that's that's the sort of thing that I would I would do, and a lot of Nick Cave, a lot of the birthday party, you know, just very noisy, noxious music, and and then you know, then then I had to I ended up having to be moved to. The, day, the evening shift, and that's where you have to follow a, um, a, um, a hot clock, you know, where you, yes. you've got day parts, where you have to play certain songs and jingles and commercials on schedule and in order. And, you know, that's when it became clear that, that I'm a head case. I mean, purist, um, stickler, you know, uncompromising. I just, I could barely do that, you know, and mm-hmm. then, you know, I just, I needed to do my own thing, and, and it just, that's when Doug Balog and I started fighting, <laughs> to put it mildly. Well, well, and well, I would be in his ahead. office. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Am I talking too much? No, no, you're doing fine. I, before you go any farther, I wanted to bring up that, that you, and the reason why I say legendary is I was there from 88 to 97, and of any former uh, person on air, because Bake was always on air, Listeners would ask, where's Robin five years, seven years, eight years after you left? And that's why we really wanted to have you on, because 
for many hardcore old listeners, you were 97X, I think, in, in many ways. Whoa. Wow, that's very flattering to hear. You were able to connect with listeners on a, a, a deep level, and they still remembered you fondly, like Dave said, years after you had uh, departed the station. And I think a lot of it is well, what you know, were just talking about. I had about. so many rough edges. You know, um, there was another woman there, um, this British woman. Um, her name was Michelle Topham, and she and I were like in a competition over who could have the most violent mood swings. I mean, we we would like, there were so many slamming doors. Um, we were like really, you know, very intense. And so I think like m- like maybe what people um, connected with was like, like uh, my, um, I, I just, I would be very like, intense and maudlin and <laughs> you know i let it all hang out on my show so i think maybe that might have been you know some of you know some of my my more you know uh my unbuttoned and uh confessional side might have been part of it i got away with a lot you know and you know i didn't want to leave it hanging like when i said that uh you know that doug Fallog and i fought a lot because they were very generous with me, and um, they put up with a lot. So I just I want to get that out there. Um, you know, I'm I'm really grateful for my time there, and uh, I I felt I feel like I I um, I grew a lot there. Yeah, I'm, like I say, I'm I'm very grateful. You know, I have nothing nothing but gratitude for my time there. So anyway, we're so then that's it. That's you, the story. Well, that and it's Been a great talking one. to you. <laughs> So long. Thanks for calling in. (laughs) Sorry, we ran out of time. So you you are are a Minneapolis native, and now you're at the other end of the country. How did that happen? Well, you know, um, the thing about, you know, I grew up in a a music family. You know, we had a a drum kit in the middle of the living room, and I I, I thought that all families were like that. And because my mother was like a real traditionalist, she would not let me play an instrument. So, um, I mean, maybe she'd let me play the tambourine, you know, like the Partridge Family Girl. Yeah. She would not let me. So my bo- the brothers got to play drums and guitar and everything. So I actually became like a groupie and a curator. And so I knew at a real young age that I was going to be somebody who was going to promote music. And so... I, that's what I knew I was going to be a disc jockey, in other words, at like age seven. And so I went to um, Brown Institute of Broadcasting, and that's where um, I was taught, you know, that, that we were not supposed to promote music. We were not supposed to, we were supposed, a good disc jockey is supposed to be able to do any kind of format, you know, go from country, you know, and um, I tried. <laughs> You know, I tried to be that kind of a, a disc jockey, but I, 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 that wasn't me, you know. So from a very first radio station that I worked at, the day John Lennon died, I locked the doors. I was working at a country station, and I couldn't handle that. I locked the doors, and I, start, I started playing the Beatles, <laughs> and I played John Lennon. And uh, after that, I went to WRBA in Illinois, normal Illinois, and um, I went to a, a bar one night, and uh, I was hanging out with some people, and they played Talking Head 77. I was working at a at a Top 40 station, and after listening to, to Talking Head 77, I, I just knew I could never play Pat Benatar again. I, <laughs> I just I just knew it, you know. And so the next day, I went into the radio station and I made this like really dramatic announcement, and I said I can't, I can't do that anymore. 
and I just slowly started playing the the other kind of music, and and listeners started bringing their records in, and I convinced the station manager that this would really work, and I got I got fired like four times from that radio station, and the listeners kept getting me back on the air. <laughs> they would fun. just do petitions and and just keep insisting that they they put me back on the air. So and one time I got fired and and. Um, and there was uh, graffiti written on the wall uh, on the side of the building the next day. One of our DJs is missing from the Kink song. So, I mean, they worked really hard to get me back on the air. So people care about the music, you know. I mean, they just really wanted, you know, to, there was nobody playing that music. So, and from there, when I was finally fired for the last time, and I was fired for playing the magazine song, permafrost and you know there's a, a lyric in there which i won't repeat but it's i will drug you and i will <clears throat> you that was it that was when i got fired for the last time and from there i went to Waxy, and then from Waxy, i came here because i wanted to um all the musicians and writers were here yeah it's not like that anymore and all the slackers were here and everybody slept on everybody's floors, and and everybody lived on a hundred dollars a week. It was just so cool for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> everybody rode their bikes everywhere, you know, and it's just it was just so cool. There are just a few pockets like that now. Well, what's what's amazing about ninety seven X is I think we all had the passion for the music like you did. Anybody, I wouldn't say everyone who worked there, but a majority of the people who worked there worked there because they loved the music and, and, and the way it was presented and how you could do it. And we didn't have as many hot clocks for many years as you talked about. And especially from what I've heard, your shifts from you know playing Coltrane to, to X to Misfits uh, to yeah. whoever um, kind of identified and, and laid the blueprint uh, you and what what Steve did um, for the way it kind of lasted all throughout the time. There was tweaks, there was changes, there was growth. Because oddly enough, there was a point where we realized, you know, what kind of station are we? Because I mean, we're still playing X, but then there's these new grunge bands. Do we need to be playing these grunge bands? Oh, you know what? Well, now some of the other rock stations are playing these. Should we play them? But overall, it was all because of the music, and I think that came through for our listeners. And, and fans of yours and, and, and others, too. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, there was a time that, um, you know, there was, there was, we argued about the station, you know, where Doug was saying that we were going to be a mainstream alternative station, you know, and, you know, there was, that was a big fight, Yeah. you know, because, you know, that's an oxymoron, right? Mm -hmm. You can't be a mainstream alternative station. And there were just like big, long discussions about, you know, what to do with Camper Van Beethoven, you know, I mean, and I, I just, I wrote an essay, <laughs> like, you know, I would, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, about like, right, like where, and when an album comes in, and, you know, they, um, and, and, and it's the obvious hit. Well, why are we playing the obvious hit off an album when another, when, you know, when, yeah. when, the, when they're promoting that? That's not us, right? You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, let's not go with the disposable, the easy thing, right? Let's, let's play something more challenging. But anyway, 
we're getting into the weeds here. No, I don't. I don't think so. Not at all. I mean, that's you know, that's the spirit of like Dave says. That's what attracted us to it, and the fact that it was, as you said, you know, alternative or or non-mainstream. But I think also at the time that you joined, you know, the station was really also just finding its footing and trying to figure out, hey, hey how did where do we go with this? And by the time then Dave came along or Phil Manning, I think it was more clearly established as like, here's the type of music that will play. But the stuff you did prior to that is it's almost like you, you have to go push those limits in order to find your sweet spot. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it was all experimental and just um, kitchen sink, right? It's, yeah, it's everything but the kitchen sink. And um, and then yeah, you do find your footing. Modern rock. Then you're barking up the right tree. The future of rock and roll. Ninety-seven X. Steve Stankin, when we we talked to him uh, not too long ago, uh, he talked about you know uh, hiring you and, and and your playlist. And then uh, Damien and his crack research team of 15 people found an old article from the Enquirer, which is fantastic, that has some quotes from you. You got it, Damien? Yeah, I do. Uh, Robin, this is, uh, so this is from 1985 in the Cincinnati Enquirer when they had like a Sunday magazine type thing. But they talk about uh, Robin Plan playing some... What was it? New Order's Murder, a rare cut by a British band whose biggest songs are obscure enough. Yet, that's what 27-year-old Robin Plan is playing one evening on Woxie, as well as seven other songs by this mysterious British band, which specializes in long, ominous, and hypnotically mechanistic dance tunes. And, and then they, they have a quote from you. It says, I always knew I was either going to be a DJ or a psychotherapist. <laughs> Do you remember that interview? And, 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 and was, is it true uh, then as it is now, or...? Yeah, yeah. You know, when I came to to Austin, um, I, I went to school to be a psychotherapist, um, but I got I got hung up on uh, statistics. You know, statistics. I got, but I, I I did some really interesting internships that uh, make for very good storytelling. <laughs> so, you know, I got you know I I, I you know I, I had a good time in college, but um, so I did pursue that a little bit, um, but. Um, my heart is really, you know, it was always with, you know, I, I got to do what I wanted to do. I did it for 12 years, and, and now everybody is their own disc jockey in a, in a big way, um, you know, with the Internet. And so, I mean, not to, not to say, I mean, I just stepped in it, didn't I? <laughs> no, no, not at all. We had this conversation before. I sometimes now don't know where to go to find new music, and I would like to have uh, an outlet um, that I could go and, and find some new stuff that I would find indus- in, in, interesting, and it's been kind of uh, a struggle. I'm starting to figure it out now uh, where to find good new music, but, but there's there's nobody out there to lead the way because everyone's their own DJ like you talked about. Right, right. And so we turn to y'all because uh, we need guidance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but you you know that's that's an important role that you played at the station was was as a curator. And if you think about how many different bands, how many different songs that you introduced listeners in Southwest Ohio to and parts of Indiana, 
maybe on a sunny day they could pick us up. Yeah. You know that like and, and it's I go back to the the old quote about you know the Velvet Underground they only sold three thousand albums but everybody that bought the album started a band and I feel like started a band you know, yeah, yeah right like, like you right. So in you a similar sort that. of way you live on yeah. you live on in people's records collections and then in a, in a deeper way you live on in their in their marriages right in a way and and in their their child rearing. I mean, really, if you think, I mean, existentially, you, 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 their value system and, 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 and their friendships and how they lead their lives. I mean, that's how important music is to me. Music has shaped me. And I mean, it's made me who I am. It's my religion, um, not just music, but also poetry and literature and but the arts in a really big way, the humanities and, and, you know, music is at the, pretty much at the top of, of the, of the list. And I know that it's, it's punk rock and people might think punk rock, that's, that's illiterate nonsense, but you know how you opened up with X people who think that need to spend some time with their lyrics and then talk to me about that being illiterate nonsense. Okay. Um, what song would you say, if you could pick your your time Uh-oh. career, no, just at 97X, I'm not talking about your entire career. If you, one song that you played at 97X, you're like, that identifies Robin Plan at 97X, what song would that be? Because I'm dying to know, because you played so many things. Well, you know that my opening song was Another Girl, Another Planet, right? By The Only Ones. That was the one that was sort of the, the um, because Planet X. So and it, it really did suit me. Um, I'm on an, I'm on another, I'm on in another world, I'm on another world, another girl, another planet, and so that that suited me. Um, and um, and the replacements covered that too. So that one pretty much. But as far, um, but I, I I couldn't say as far as like what I'm all about because you know so many facets, my dear. <laughs> Well, we do have a, a rule here that the podcast ends when two Bella Lugosi's are de- uh, dead play back-to-back. So we're at that okay. time. But I just want to tell you that this has been a pleasure to talk to you. I, you know, all those years I heard your name, and, and it's great to, you know, Facebook is one way to be friends with somebody, but having a conversation like this is great. And, and if we get down to Austin, I think we all should get together because I'd like to get down there again sometime. Okay, absolutely. It's been great talking to you all, too. I, I do have okay. one one quick question, Robin. So, what you know, musically, sure. what do you do now, musically, to to promote music, or do you do you have any sort of outlet to to share music with others? Um, no, well, Twitter, you know, Twitter, and and um, uh, I, I put, you know, and uh, just just Twitter, but um, I'm retired. <laughs> 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 I still I proselytize, you know, yeah. to my friends, but yeah. you know. No, you've done your part. Like you said, like you, you're carrying on, you know, generationally. I mean, actually, later today, we're going to talk to a guy that was just a, a listener to the station, and he talks about what a profound influence it had on the trajectory of his life to be tuning in to 97X or Woxie right when it switched formats in 1983, and it, and still mm. to this day is is influenced by that. And you know who else is retired yeah. is is Doug and Linda Baylog. They're retired as well too. So you guys should go like on a cruise together, oh, a God. modern rock cruise, <laughs> four we days. Can argue about 
what's the definition of mainstream alternative <laughs> again? I don't know about that. Okay. Hey, when uh, if if you uh, go through your files and find that mm-hmm. um, that term paper you wrote about Camper Van Beethoven, send it our way. <laughs> yeah, our email they address. Are not, they are not punk rock. Period. <laughs> hey, our email. If you Where's find any paper? stuff. If you do find stuff like that, our email address is 97xwxy uh, at gmail.com. So if you get a chance, um, if you do find some old stuff, that'd be great because uh, Steve sent us the original station manifesto when it flipped formats. So if you have any old oh. stuff, we'd love to have that too. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Robin. Right. It was great. Uh-huh. Thank I appreciate you it, Okay. Robin. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Now. 97X. W-O-X-Y, Oxford, Cincinnati. Radio, radio. The future of rock and roll.